Congregation, let's open the Word of God this morning to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, and there we'll read the verses 22 to 33. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22, and you'll notice that just before this passage which we read, Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And then it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And we'll focus on the verses 30 and 31. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He, Peter, cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Congregation loved by the Lord Jesus. Last time I was here, a while ago, I, we paid attention to the great faith exemplified by the Roman centurion in Capernaum whose servant uh, Jesus healed. Faith that showed itself then in great compassion, deep humility, and wonderful confidence in Jesus. And that's faith, that great faith is something that we should all pray for. But maybe you thought after that sermon, I don't think I'll ever ever be able to have great faith like that. Sometimes I think my faith is substantial. But then something happens and I, all at once I struggle with uncertainty and doubt. I all too often have little faith instead of great faith, I'm afraid. 
something like the disciple Peter in the part of Matthew 14, which we read together when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. He wanted to walk out on the sea to Jesus. And you'd say he had pretty big faith at that moment. However, when he heard the wind and looked down and saw the heaving waves under his feet, he began to doubt. And he began to sink in the sea. And then Jesus reached out to him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And maybe at times, maybe often, we see ourselves more in Peter than in Cornelius. Well, congregation, I preached the text with this theme. What we learn about faith in the passage about Peter wanting to walk to Jesus on the water. Three things. Faith in Jesus, Peter's little faith, and what we learn from this. And first of all, then, faith in Jesus. We'll pay attention to that. The section of Matthew 14 is about the storm on the Sea of Galilee. It took place right after Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000. It's also in the other Gospels. Jesus amazingly fully fed a great crowd of people with those five loaves and two fish. What great power the Lord Jesus had to be able to do that. It showed himself to be the Son of God and the Savior. After that, Jesus sent his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in a boat while he went up in the mountain by himself to pray. Later that evening, as we read, the vicious storm came up on the sea and the waves and the wind were almost too much for the disciples and they were afraid for their lives. And you can imagine they became even more terrified when they saw this figure walking toward them over the, over the surface of the water. Maybe I shouldn't move. Yeah? Am I plugged in? Well, they were terrified when they saw this. Try this hookup. So we'll try again. 
the, <coughs> the disciples were terrified, and then they heard Jesus' voice telling them that they didn't need to be afraid to calm down. Congregation, as soon as they heard Jesus' voice, they realized it was him. And Peter right away wanted to go to him in spite of the storm wind and the waves because he believed that in Jesus there is life. Jesus is the bread of life. He had seen that miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And in Jesus there is peace with God who forgives and renews. So Jesus, Peter wanted to be with Jesus as close as possible. That's a feature of a life of faith in Jesus Christ, by the way, wanting to be with Jesus. Today, that means in prayer and in worship. People who believe that Jesus is life will want to be where he is, where he's close by, where he speaks, where he hears prayer, where he gives himself also in the sacraments. Faith always, always wants to be with Jesus. Loves to be with him and faith longs to be with him forever. That longing may at times be strong, but at other times might be weaker. But faith embraces Jesus, wants to be with him. Because faith knows he is life. And it's better to be with him than anywhere else. He is the bread of life. And there's something else about faith that we see in this passage. Peter stepped out of the boat when Jesus said to him, Come. Come on. And Peter asked Jesus to command him, of course, to come. But when Jesus did command him, he, he did come then he knew he was only doing what Jesus had commanded, had said to him. The fact that he ended up walking on the water was because Jesus had told him to come to him. And that's what faith is also about. You don't just want to decide anything, do anything, unless you know that it's something that Jesus approves of. You only want to do what's agreeable to him. You only want to go where you know that he commands. Where he, uh, where he approves of. The choices you make in your life, your relationships, your education, your work, what you do with your free time, the tasks that you take on. All your cho choices in life. You first ask, will Jesus agree with this? Approve of this? command this. You only want to go and do what Jesus would agree with. Otherwise, you don't want to go there and do that. That's in a nutshell what faith is, congregation. The faith Peter showed when he wanted to be with Jesus. Faith wants to be close to Jesus, wants to follow Jesus' direction. And that's again because faith sees Jesus as life as the founder and perfecter of faith who endured the cross for us, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand in glory, wanting you to be with him. And that faith is then what decides between eternal salvation and eternal condemnation. Faith is necessary. 
Whoever believes in Jesus has life. Whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. God's wrath remains on him. So faith decides your eternal future too. And you might think now, well, I need to come up with that faith by myself. But this is another thing about faith. It's not the case that you need to come up with it in yourself. You can't. We cannot come up with it in ourselves. We can't overcome our doubts and temptations by ourselves. Notice, congregation, that when Jesus had sent his disciples out on the sea and the boat before that, he himself had gone up on the mountain to pray. And that's already a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for his people, for his elect, for those whom the Father gave him. As it says in the Bible, he ascended into heaven and there he lives always to intercede for the saints. He intercedes, he prays to the Father that those whom he has elected and chosen and given to him might be brought to faith, may be kept in their faith in all the circumstances of life, especially in time of trial. And that's also what we confess, by the way, in the last chapter of the Canons of Dort about the perseverance of the saints. We confess there that saints can fall deeply so, so deeply that they for a time even lose the sense of God's favor. But then we also confess, Article 8, that the saints cannot totally fall away from faith and grace and be lost because God's counsel cannot be changed and the merit intersection and intercession and preservation of Christ cannot be nullified. And then later on, Article 11, and though believers in this life have to struggle with various doubts of the flesh and under severe temptation don't always feel assured of that perseverance, God will then not let them be tempted beyond their strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape and by the Holy Spirit will revive them to the certainty of their perseverance. So far, the canons of Dort. So on that mountain, the Lord Jesus was interceding for his disciples out in the storm in that severe test of faith for them and for Peter also, who he foreknew would be dealing with doubts of the flesh once he was walking on the water there. And what a wonderful thing that for us to hold fast to, congregation, to find comfort in that when we have our struggles and doubts in our trials and temptations, our exalted Savior is praying for us, interceding for us at God's right hand. Father, do not let him, do not let her be overcome by doubts and temptations, but revive them in the certainty of their faith again. So we fight the fight of faith ourselves, but at the same time pray that the Lord will keep us in faith through our trials and temptations, that he will intercede for us before the Father. Let's come to the second part of the sermon, Peter's little faith. Congregation, Peter had much faith in Jesus, which is why he wanted to be with his Lord and why he could also just put his foot over the side of the boat and step out on the water and walk toward Jesus. 
But when he took his eyes from Jesus and looked down at the heaving waves and heard the, the howling wind, he became afraid and doubted. He thought to himself, this, this is impossible. This cannot be. I can't walk on the water. And in his fear, he cried out to Jesus as he was sinking. Now, the storm and the waves have always been seen as a picture or an image of a life of faith. Faith is always surrounded by storm and waves. Think of the storms of temptations, temptation to give in to sin. Temptations are powerful. They come back to you all the time. They know how to find your weak spots, the unprotected parts of your life, and they try to push their way in, sometimes the same spot, sometimes another spot in your life, and then you have to face a temptation. There it is again. Once a temptation is allowed in, though, it comes back again and again, wants to lodge its way more and more into your life, and becomes harder and harder for us to fight against, to resist, and then you think, I'm so addicted to that sin, I'll never be able to resist this temptation when it comes again. The storm and the waves of the sea can also represent oppression, opposition from people because of what you stand for as, a, as a, someone who believes in Jesus Christ. Others can push you aside, negate you, bully you, maybe even fire you from your job because of what you believe, ignore you. The pressure can be enormous. Think of people who have been imprisoned or tortured for their faith. For instance, in North Korea. And when you hear about that, what happens to those Christians, or also in some African or Arabic countries, then you ask yourself, would I be able to endure if that happened to me, if they knocked on my door and were going to come for me because I confessed Jesus Christ, I'm afraid I would break under the, the pressure, give up faith in Jesus. Oh, I don't, I don't know Jesus. The storm and waves on the sea could also signify testing and chastisement. So not what others do to you, but what God allows to happen to you or to your loved ones. Serious sickness, mental illness. What, what a difficult thing to deal with. Worries about your finances or about your work or about your relationships. God can give you heavy burdens to bear sometimes, which you didn't seek which you weren't, you, you were not the cause of that and other people, but the Lord gives it to you. Think of Job. And then you can think, I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle this. I can't keep believing in God's love with all this going on in my life. I can't accept that. Well, congregation, Peter became afraid when he saw the storm around him and the waves under his feet. And then he began to sink and he cried out, to Jesus in fear in spite of the fact that Jesus had just said to him and the other disciples you know take heart it's me don't be afraid and congregation that's that's then little faith you know what the Lord says in his word but you see the storms and the waves of temptation or opposition or testing and you become afraid you become afraid you doubt 
Ah, can't be. Can't be. You, you figure you can't handle it. You're going to sink away from the Lord. Unbelief overcomes faith then. And the flame of your faith is becoming extinguished by doubt and unbelief. But there's still a spark of faith with Peter. Because he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. But his heart is filled with fear. Maybe you've experienced something like that. You confess your life is in Jesus' care, but in the turmoil of trouble that, that you're experiencing, you doubt. Is the Lord really there? Is it all really true? Is he there for me? Unbelief wants to smother your faith so that it's not there anymore. But the thing is, Faith becomes little when the attention wanders away from the Lord Jesus and focuses on the circumstances. You end up focusing on the storm and the waves instead of on the Lord Jesus, your Savior, and all his promises. And then you become taken up by those circumstances instead of Jesus' power and promises and mercy. Oh, it's true that circumstances can sometimes also give you a false sense of peace. When everything is going fine, you feel good health is good, nice income, relationships are good, there's no trials in your life, you're doing fine. That can also be a test, you see. A test. And then your faith can become little because it's based only on the good circumstances. So peace and prosperity can take one's attention away from Jesus too. But then the Lord can also bring something into your life, mercifully bring something into your life to make you focus on his promises again. But thinking about our text, we see doubt and fear take over due to circumstances. Let, you let yourself be led by your circumstances instead of by the Lord, by his word. And if the circumstances like temptations, opposition, chastisements can be described as storms and big waves, then you can certainly become afraid and doubting just like Peter. And that fear of what you're dealing with can ex almost extinguish the flame of your, your faith. Little faith then. Note congregation Though, little faith is still faith. Peter, with his little faith, still cried out, Lord, save me. Help me. So little faith is still faith. Little faith is still called to make public profession of faith, young people. And little faith is still called to come to the table of the Lord after self-examination when the Lord's Supper is being celebrated as was here last week, I understand. But the thing is, little faith doesn't like being little. Little faith never wants to stay that way, little. If it's even as little as a grain of mustard seed, it wants to grow. Grow big even. That's how it is with that mustard seed, and that's how it is with little faith. 
You want to, if th th that faith is there, then you want to grow in your faith so that no circumstance in life will make you doubt, be uncertain, or afraid anymore. You want to be able to give your doubts and fears over to the Lord Jesus. Little faith doesn't like being little. It wants to become great faith, congregation. It's not natural for any believer to be satisfied with just a little faith. To say to yourself, well, little is at least enough to be saved. At least I believe, even if it's a little bit. That would be completely wrong. Wrong way of thinking, wouldn't it? No, little faith, at least if it's no, not totally unbelief, will always want to become greater. Great faith wants to become more and more fixated on the Lord Jesus and his salvation. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon, the lesson for us today. So faith always wants to focus on Jesus. Great faith wants to embrace him as tightly as possible. Little faith wants to embrace Jesus too, but then tentatively with lots of doubt and fear. Peter cried out to Jesus, and what did Jesus do? Did he right away still the storm and the waves? No. Nope. Note that he only did that after he brought Peter into the boat again. Maybe we'd like that. That when we call out to Jesus, that he'd right away still the storm and the waves in our lives, take away the temptations, remove the trials, the pressures, that he would change our circumstances, take away what caused our, our fears and doubts, but that's not what Jesus does in the text either. No, he reached out his hand in the middle of that storm and grabbed hold of Peter with the little faith. And you might wish that Jesus would be there to physically reach out his hand to you in your difficult circumstances too when you're doubting and wondering that he would physically hold out his hand to you in difficult circumstances to take hold of you. But brothers and sisters, he does. He does. Not physically today as with Peter, but even more wonderfully and just as real he does that spiritually via his word and sacraments to take hold of your heart in his church. And he grabs hold of you that way to hold you up. Also when you're sinking, maybe you even notice that in worship, that he reaches and takes hold of your heart, that he says via his word to you, here I am, my promise and forgiveness, of forgiveness and new life and light are certain and they're for you, for you. And at the Lord's Supper, he holds out to you the bread and the wine which represent his broken body and shed blood, his sacrifice for all your sins. It's for you. He holds you, he grabs hold of you, reaches for you. And the things that caused you fear and doubt are not necessarily suddenly all gone right away. But he will strengthen your faith 
so that you realize again, he is there for me. As the true bread of life, he is there. And he's much greater than my fears and doubts. Congregation, John Calvin wrote somewhere that faith is open ears and closed eyes. The eyes need to be closed to the storm and the waves going on in your life. In other words, close to your difficult circumstances and open to the word, to the word of God, his promises, his gospel. And then, and then your circumstances will less and less determine your peace and joy in life. But what you hear in God's word more and more fills your heart. Hearing his promises that he truly forgives your sins, that he truly will renew you, that he intercedes for you, that you have a future with him. Those things give you rest and peace and hope even when the storms and the waves are still there in your life because you focus on this, the Word, His Word, and He never casts out anyone who comes to Him confessing Him, His or her own helplessness. He is faithful and will give perseverance in faith as the one who overcame sin and death. He has the power. And that's what faith actually is, congregation. Eyes shut, ears open. In other words, so trust what the Lord says in his word and in the sacraments that you know more and more that he has your life in his hands, that he is full of love for you. Faith says that in spite of the storm and the waves you're experiencing, the Lord will take care of you, wants to give you everything that he obtained by his cross. And then maybe the temptations and trials and persecutions are still there, but you trust it'll be okay. He's there. I have his, he has his hand in my hand. And then you don't see the storms, but you hear his loving promises. And that's great faith. Great faith. Great faith, brothers and sisters. Little faith is when faith becomes smothered by doubt, anxiety, fear because of circumstances. Great faith comes when you focus on Christ, his word. Congregation, the thing we can learn from our text is that those two, great faith and little faith, can easily switch around in us. Just like that. And you see that with Peter, swinging his feet overboard, carefully putting one foot on the water and then the other. It's just that impossible thing. And he does it, and he walks toward Jesus, and then he begins to listen to the storm and look at the heaving water under his feet, and then he forgets the voice of Jesus, which had just said to him, come, don't be afraid. And he begins to sink. And that... Doubt and fright overcame his great faith and became, and, and his great faith became little. Little faith. And that happens so easily, right? And so you can never say, well, 
that person has great faith and that person over there has little faith because that faith in a person can change in a moment. Great faith isn't something you have and that's it. And little faith isn't something that you're stuck with and that's it. No, faith requires constant exercise to become greater. Little faith, if it's really faith at all, wants to become great faith. Faith constantly has to be fed the gospel, the promises of the word, the promises of Christ, if it's going to become and remain great faith. And it needs keeping to be confirmed and strengthened by the sacraments and especially prayed for. And you realize how important it is that you have one day every week to focus on that, but then also open that word every day yourself too and call on your Lord. And then you learn to listen to the sound of Jesus' voice your whole life long. You see his hand. And you hear his voice, the voice which calls us to follow him in spite of everything. Until one day, the Lord will call each of us for the last time. He'll say, come. No one knows, of course, when that will be, whether suddenly in the strength of life or after a sickness. And then Jesus will stand on the other side of the water other side of the Jordan, it's often called, the Jordan, the river that has to be crossed to get to the promised land. And he'll call out, come. Come over through those stormy waters of death and judgment. And there will be a lot of reason to be afraid and to doubt if you focus on those waters of God's judgment and you're passing out of this life. You'd think you would sink under those things. But when that time comes to focus on hearing that voice of the Lord Jesus, then you need to do that. And then through the storm and the waves, you will set foot in the promised land, in the place where faith becomes glorious sight. Amen.